Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to curiositystream.com slash not overthinking. For less than $15 a year, you get access to thousands of high quality documentaries on CuriosityStream, and you'll also get a special link to our podcast feed with all of the ads taken out. My name is Ali, I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor, I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hello and welcome back to Not Overthinking. We're very sorry we missed an episode last week. We were just feeling exceptionally lazy. We've, uh, we've just gone back from Bath where uh, we are attending a wedding, uh, a wedding of one of my best friends, Arthur, a friend from university. Uh, I thought your, your speech was very good. Oh, thank you. It thank started you. off with the uh, the classic bait and switch. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> Can you I, give us a, 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 a re-rendition of the, uh, the bait and switch? The bait and switch. Okay, yeah. So I think, I think bait and switch is, is, is like a really good way to start off a speech because it kind of throws people off. And I, I kind of nicked the concept from Kevin Hart where he has a bit. This is from like really early on. This, like, I'll link the YouTube video in the show notes. <laughs> Will you really? <laughs> if, I, if I remember, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically like right when he was like 19 years old or something there's like a, a video of him doing stand-up um and and, and he, he basically starts off by saying something along the lines of uh yeah before i before i start i just want to let y'all know that uh, you know however he talks um yeah he, he does he does a thing where he says basically before i start i want to let you all know that uh he says something along the lines of like uh <laughs> these are what I'm what I'm gonna do now. These are just jokes or something. <laughs> you know, I don't want none of y'all coming up to me. <laughs> All right, stop stop laughing and recount the anecdote. I uh, I, I don't want none of y'all coming up to me after the show talking about who's the funny one now. <laughs> He's basically implying that people will get angry at what he's saying and want to beat him up after the show. Yeah, why is that a bit in Twitch? <laughs> No, because the bait and switch is that he, he basically says, you know, before I start, like, I want to tell you some stuff. And so, like, you don't actually expect that he started. He's obviously, he has actually started at that point because oh. he's doing a bit. Oh, right. He's doing a bit where he's like, you know, I don't want you coming up to me saying like, oh, who's the funny one now kind of thing, <laughs> you know. And so. Okay, got it. Yeah. So that was sort of what you did right at the start of yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of how I, how I opened the speech. Um, oh, right. So by bait and switch, I meant your your other bit where you were like well when i first got to university oh that bit that's why i was so confused oh what that's the classics i th yeah that's i think the the old switcheroo <laughs> oh that's what it's called it's, a, it's not a bait and switch i don't know i don't know switcheroo. what the technical anyway can you give us a re-rendition re of the start of the speech which bit just like the the first the very seconds first. the first 30 seconds uh okay sure uh so the speech started i said um before I start, I just uh, just want to let you know I was I was pulled aside by the groom earlier today, and I was told that there are a few topics that are off limits for this speech. Uh, look, it doesn't really make sense to sort of say these things on the podcast, but like, yeah, it's just like a, you, it just allows you to sort of say three kind of throwaway statements that are kind of funny on their own without much. Look, I just wanted you to start off the podcast with a bit of banter, and now here you are overthinking <laughs> why you don't want to say just just like say the thing. Come on, man. <laughs> I don't think it'll be entertaining. All right, no, no. I'll, 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 say, I'll say the bit that I think is like pretty generally applicable. So I, I said, you know, Arthur and I have been friends since the start of university. Uh, the start of university is a fun time, but for me, it was also a bit of an anxious one. Uh, I was quite worried at the start about, you know, whether I'd make friends and whether I'd fit in. But I was really lucky that on the first day, I, I met someone who I instantly clicked with, someone who was funny and friendly and kind. And then the following week, I met Arthur. And yeah, Arthur's the groom, and so you... And then everyone's like, ha ha, yeah. Yeah, you're meant to like take the piss out of the groom. Okay, cool. Anyway, what are we talking about this week? 
Uh, so this week, I, I've had uh, what, I, what I consider to be a, a novel insight. Pro- a profound insight. A profound and novel pro- insight. Profoundly novel, okay. Um, which is that, I'm going to say the insight. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Please do. I think a lot of the gains I've made in my personal life have come from treating it more like a business. And a lot of the gains that I've made in my business life have come from treating it a lot more personally. Oh, that is profound. How about that? I sense that's profound and novel. Yeah. Do you want to expand on that? What do you mean? At the moment, he's just taking a sip of his tea without the pinky sticking out. So I think like when it comes to sort of personal life stuff, I think previously I never really... Okay, no, let me, let me, let me, let me backtrack. I think the defining characteristic of thinking in like a business mode versus thinking in like a personal mode is that I think in, in business mode, you kind of approach things a lot more, and I don't like this word, but a lot more sort of rationally because you don't have like emotional attachment to the resources, you know, the resources being like time and money. You know, you know, the business has a certain amount of money, uh, you know, each employee or whatever has a certain amount of time and you really are trying to optimize for deploying those resources most effectively. Um, and so I think when you're sort of trying to prioritize things in a business or trying to decide what to do, you can think very clearly in terms of, okay, what is the cost of this thing in terms of time and money? And you can sort of value time according to how much you pay your employees and things. You can, you can work out like the, roughly the cost of something and then you can figure out, okay, what's the return on investment for this thing? Um, and then you can decide whether or not you want to do this thing. And I think that's a very good way to approach any kind of resource allocation problem. And I think a lot of our personal lives are actually resource allocation problems. Like, you know, how should I spend my time? How should I spend my money? And I think the the kind of default mode of approaching these when it comes to personal stuff is basically feels feels over reels, if you will. Feels over reels. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I think the business mode thinking uh, from what I've seen is characterized by uh, reels. Reels over feels. <laughs> yeah, reels over, yeah, okay. just reels. So the, and personal mode thing is characterized by feels. So at the moment you're speaking very abstractly and I know what you're getting at, but a lot of our audience might not have their own business or might be intimately familiar with the ins and outs of profit and loss for businesses. Can you give us a few concrete examples of what you mean by business thinking when it comes to time and money allocation? Okay, so for example, one thing that lots of businesses need to do is acquire customers. You need to get people to hear what you're trying to say, right? And there are lots of ways to do this. There are like, you know, you could take out some Google ads. You can spend a whole day finding people's emails from LinkedIn and sending them personalized emails yourself. You can, you know, ask your friends to introduce uh, people to you who might want to use your product and so on. And so you're, you're trying to acquire customers. And one of the ways in which we sort of thinking about this at the startup right now is like, okay, what are the sort of the various channels at our disposal? One of the channels is like sending cold emails to people who we think might be a good fit. So like finding people on LinkedIn who we think could use our product, writing them an email, sending it over, and maybe like, I don't know, 5% of people who get these emails will reply. Another way is that we could, you know, create some kind of content like a blog post or an interactive demo, put it on our website, uh, and uh, hopefully that'll get some traffic and it might go viral or something, and that'll get a a lot of people like signing up to our website, right? Um, Now, it's hard to like compare... I don't know. I think if I was approaching this, uh, or, or for example, we can just like take out a bunch of ads. Um, and, and I think if I, if I was approaching this problem from like a personal life standpoint, I would kind of, I, I, I actually don't know how I'd think about it. But from like the business standpoint, it's like, okay, we can literally like try and figure out what is the cheapest way to get customers, you know? 
right okay like writing a blog post is going to take a take me like one week in total one week of like full-time work for like a really good blog post i don't know um and so we can kind of figure out okay how much how much is that worth and then okay what's the chance of this going like viral on twitter or something and how many leads do we think we'll get from this uh facebook ads and things are are a lot easier to calculate they basically tell you look if you spend like a hundred pounds then five thousand people will see your post um, and then things like cold emails is like, okay, what do we think the rough sort of response rate is to these things? How much time would we spend and so on? Okay. So overall, what you're saying is that when, when it's in a business context, you're actively thinking about the return on investment of each of these different channels yeah. and deciding which is the cheapest per sort of, sort of where the cost per acquisition is cheapest, where you're valuing time, but also money. Yeah, Whereas writing, writing a blog post will just take time and doesn't cost any money. Yeah. And reaching out cold emails, sending cold emails on LinkedIn just takes time yeah. and no money. But actually running Google ads and Facebook ads will take money, but no time. Yeah, precisely. I, I think that the crux of the matter is when it comes to things related to business, you have this wonderful thing called money that allows you to compare otherwise difficult to compare things. Money is, it's, it's like, yeah, it, it lets you sort of compare all sorts of different options including things that don't really have a direct monetary so including cost time so you could say time, yeah. the, the if if you were to spend a week doing a blog post and you value your time in the company as whatever per hour or is is that how yeah, you think yeah yeah sure yeah okay and i think this is a i think this is this is one example of like a helpful framing when it comes to personal stuff because for example in, in like a business context if we're thinking of buying some new piece of software to help us like automate something mm. We will literally sit down and think, okay, how much time are we spending on this random task currently? How much do these people want for it? Okay, it's like a thousand pounds a month. Sounds like a lot of money, right? But if a thousand pounds a month saves you like, I don't know, 30 hours every month, that's a bargain, right? Uh, and so things that sound like a lot of money from a personal point of view are very easy to justify and are good investments. Whereas I think uh, in personal life, and this is sort of related to the stuff we talked about, the kitchen bin and measure and all this kind of stuff, Plenty of things sound like a lot of money, even though they're good investments. And I think when we're thinking about our personal lives, we basically go on like our first order reactions to these things. It's like, oh, kitchen bin, 120 pounds. That sounds like a lot of money. That's a bit expensive. Or like, oh man, this thing is like, I don't know, this thing is going to take up two hours. Uh, painting my room myself is going to take up a whole Saturday, but it's like free or something. So that's, that's better than paying someone to do it. You know, th th this kind of thinking. So essentially what you're saying is that thinking in a business setting encourages us to value our time. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Okay, what are the other parts of it? Because that sounds like the main thing that this whole... Yeah, I, th I think that's one thing. Yeah. I think the other thing is that um, I think the way that we're sort of... Yeah, I think basically every business does this, right? You, you kind of approach things in terms of like systems as opposed to in terms of like discrete things that happen. Okay, what do you um, mean? So, for example, let's say that... Let's say that during one week, someone makes a big mistake at a company or something. Like someone does something by accident. You know, you accidentally, um, you know, deploy some code to production that kind of breaks your website or something for 24 hours. Okay. Someone accidentally does that. Right. Now, in a personal context, I think previously, to be honest, I don't know how I would have handled this kind of situation, but I think uh, maybe what I've done is sort of feel really bad. If, if it was me, I'd like feel really bad about it, feel really sorry about it. I think the people around me, I don't know how they would have reacted. Maybe they would have gotten angry. Maybe they would have, uh, I don't know, not trusted me anymore or something like this uh, if you make a big mistake. Whereas I think in a business context, it's less about like you made this mistake, you you know, 
you you are bad and more about okay how do we make sure it's not even possible to make these kinds of mistakes in the future how do we like how do we have a system so that these mistakes don't get made and i think approaching yeah i mean businesses approach almost everything in terms of systems and processes like you manage your work on like weekly or bi-weekly sprints for example uh, at the end of each sprint, you have like a review of how well things went. You explicitly talk about what went well, what didn't go well, um, you know, how you can improve your own process the next time around. Okay, but, think, but we almost never do that in the personal realm. Yeah, that would be considered extremely weird in the personal realm. I, I Actually, I think, it, yeah, I think probably the two main ways in which I think the business versus personal thing apply are A, in terms of like trying to, trying to value things uh, as a level playing field. And I think money uh, is a good way to try and do that. Uh, so thinking in terms of like, how much do I value my time? I think that's helpful in the personal uh, sphere. And then also thinking in terms of like, what systems am I running in my life? And when things go wrong, how do I improve those systems to uh, to ensure they don't go wrong again? And I think there's a lot of like social weirdness around having systems for your personal life. And so, for example, I, like I'm I'm actually really bad at this and I should definitely have more systems in my life. But for the past few years, I've had precisely two systems in my life. Um, and I, I'm continually astounded at how well they work. The first system is that basically for the past eight years, my passport is never out of my zip pocket in my bag for more than the time that I need it. Every time I need my passport, I take it out of the zip pocket, and even if I'm feeling lazy and it's like, oh, I'll put it back in there later, I think, no, this is like one of my two systems in life. <laughs> I need to stick this back in a zip pocket. Yep. And I have not lost my passport a single time. And that is extremely off-brand for me. Okay. You know, the other system that I've had for the past couple of years since I've had a bike is that every time after I lock my bike, I put the bike key in another zip pocket in my bag. And every time after I use the lock, I put the lock in my bag as opposed to just hang it on the handlebars or whatever. And so that ensures that every time I have my rucksack on me, which is always whenever I'm riding my bike, I have my lock and I have my key. And I'm never going to arrive at the train station without a lock or without a key and be screwed. <laughs> and it just works. And every time I open up my bag and open up the zip pocket and the key is there, I'm like, wow, this is, this is insane. <laughs> I need Putting stuff away in the right place. So. Like, and yeah, it's crazy how well that works and how much better my life is because I don't have to deal with losing my passport or losing my bike lock key. And having more systems in my life would definitely make it significantly better. All right, I've talked for a bit. What are your thoughts on all of this? Okay, so let's start with the systems thing just because that's the point that we're on. Okay, I'm saying businesses operate in terms of systems. People generally don't. People would benefit from operating a bit more in terms of systems. How are you defining system? I guess just any kind of process or protocol. That doesn't require additional thinking. Yeah, I guess. So essentially what, what you've got, what you're defining as a system, what other people might define as a habit. For example, you said that those are the only two systems in your life and yet you brush your teeth every day or so we hope. Why, do, why, do, why are you not calling that a system, for example? Hmm. Like, oh my God, it's an incredible system. Like all, all I have to do is spend two minutes brushing my teeth every day and, and then they, they my, never teeth, rot. <laughs> my teeth don't fall off. Like, in, insane, incredible. Like why is that not one of your systems in your head? Okay, I guess there are some. Okay, uh, yeah, I think systems and habits is is a fair point. Is a fair thing to to say. Look, I guess there are some habits that we're just like taught from a young age and taught by society that everyone basically does, like brushing your teeth and you know going to bed and waking up in the morning and things like that. Right? Like you don't need to come up come up with that for yourself. And so I think there is a distinction there. 
Okay, so your your definition of system is one that you've actively thought out. Yeah, something that's suited suited to you. Whereas your definition of habit is something that's no, no, no. Or, I, I'm I, I'm not I'm not saying they're necessarily different things. Okay, because I can think of a lot of helpful habits that I've got in my life that, that I might call systems just because I feel I'm you know I'm feeling a bit nerdy, but I you know essentially what I think you're arguing for is to be more intentional about the habits that we formed based on sort of this the same sort of principles, the same sort of systems-based thinking that, that a business might use. So for example, one system that I've got for making my sleep better is that I got blackout curtains, which is a, a good system. I got a nice fan, which is a good system. And I put my phone across the room from me, which is a great system with my Kindle on the bedside table. And all that works together to mean that I'm not using my phone before bed and that has revolutionized my sleep hygiene and stuff. Okay, I, I know the distinction. The distinction is a habit. Habit refers to like the single kind of action that you do, which is kind of like a standalone thing. Whereas a system is like interconnected and stuff. And yeah, a big part of like thinking in terms of systems is understanding how different things affect one another and, and, and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's not too different in, in terms of terminology. This actually reminds me of something that I think James Clear tweeted about at one point saying I, I i think the phrase used was that a system is just a collection of habits <laughs> oh really <laughs> so <laughs> oh damn it is it seems like someone's got there first okay let's park the systems thing aside for now um on the time time value valuing front i'm obviously a big fan of valuing valuing time um i'm curious how how, how much do you value your own time at these days honestly i don't know okay so think about it <laughs> i suppose like how much money would you be willing to spend in order to save an hour of time Doing something that you don't want to do. I think I have a number in my head, but I don't think there's any point saying it. Because it's heavily skewed by what I do for, in, in inverted commas, a living and the leverage that that activity has. But, I mean, there's just no point. Um, yeah, I don't think it's useful. So I think I first came across this topic of this, this concept of valuing your time. I, th I think kind of when I, when I was going down the rabbit hole of having read the four-hour work week and then looking at all the other sort of literature in that regard... And at the time, that really changed changed the way I thought about the stuff because before I just never really given any consideration to what I thought my time was worth. Okay. Um, but then afterwards, I started realizing that actually me spending a whole day painting the house when painting the house is not something I enjoy doing. It's probably not worth it if I can pay someone for a certain amount of money to do the same thing for me. Yeah. Um, and, but I think even in life today, like wh when I'm thinking about it in terms of my business, I'm much more valuing of my time than when I'm thinking about it in like in my personal life because I don't know like I I almost never regard I, I almost never think about the time the time value of driving somewhere as like time wasted yeah because you can I don't know you can do useful stuff in the car like listen to a podcast or whatever it's not really completely lost time okay anyway I think we're being derailed here so your analogy was people should that we should think more of our personal lives as businesses yeah. by having a certain value on the time on our time and also by thinking more in terms of systems like how things are interconnected and rather than for example if something goes wrong rather than treating it personally just building a different system around it yeah precisely and i think the the main point around the systems thing is actually that there is i think there is a strong sort of general bias in society against having systems for personal stuff like it seems like there's a general narrative of like the more systematic you are, the more kind of like 
you know, the weird, less sincere. Yeah, way. the less sincere, the more like weird slash nerdy slash robotic or whatever. So like having a system for keeping in touch with friends would be considered weird. Yes. And yet everyone thinks it's all right to just to have a calendar with your friend's birthdays on it. Um, yeah, I mean, so I, I suppose there's some kind of spectrum between sort of what people in, in general would think is a weird level of system systemization. Yeah. And I think like, to be honest, the most acceptable level of systemization, which is extremely low level, is like having one place in your house where you put your keys, you know, <laughs> hanging your keys up. Yeah. If you're more systematic than that, people will think, oh, man, <laughs> he's so neurotic. He's so like OCD or whatever, you know, like if you're really particular about how you do certain things. It's considered weird, especially when it comes to like social stuff. So actually in, in the third year of uni, I decided to start tracking my social interactions and I, I built my own little personal CRM. Uh, CRM stands for Customer Relationship Management. Uh, it's software that every business uses to track uh, basically which customers they're talking to, what they're saying to these customers and so on. So I, I had this like basically database using Airtable, fantastic product, where every time I'd have a social interaction, I'd uh, make a note of who it was with um, and the date and uh, some, some notes about like what it was. Uh, and I sort of got it to notify me that, oh, you haven't spoken to so-and-so in two weeks. And so then I could see, oh man, like these are all my friends. This is when I last spoke to each of them. I should like go and hang out with this person. It, it was kind of, I think it was a nice idea, but it was too much effort to do the data entry for it. And so I kind of didn't end up using it for very long. But the few people who I told about it thought it was extremely weird. So I wrote an email about this, like uh, to, towards the end of university when um, it, was, it, was, it was one of my weekly email newsletters where I, I'd, I'd read all this stuff about how once you graduate from university, loneliness is like a big, like an, an epidemic, especially yeah. once you have a job and stuff, because there just is less time to see your friends. Yep. Um, and so I decided I was going to make like a, a Google Sheet. Uh, this was before Notion was a thing. Oh. Uh, a Google Sheet with like the friends I wanted to keep, keep in touch with and kind of remind myself on a sort of two to three monthly basis who I hadn't spoken to in a while. Two to three monthly? Damn. I mean, it was, a, it was quite a long list of friends at the time. But now kind of uh, about 18 months in, into having graduated from university, this list has now gotten significantly smaller because I've realized how, just how few people it is actually reasonable to keep in touch with. Um, but I've, apart from with a handful of friends, I've never, I haven't really systematized this thing. So for example, I've got an Evernote notebook that has, uh, called People, <laughs> where I have a few a handful of different notes for different friends. And when I have dinner with them, then I kind of write a few notes about this, yeah. this conversation. Um, but actually, uh, the app Notion, uh, they've recently released a personal CRM template that I have, I, I have been dabbling with. So this is something I actually do want to systemize oh, nice. much more. Yeah. Uh, especially since like a few weeks ago, I rediscovered this thing of that you, you can like talk, uh, call your friends on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like, oh my God, like completely game changing because I drive like an hour to work and back every day. And I was thinking that that time is, you know, just spent consuming content like audiobooks and podcasts and on, on double speed. But then... One time a few weeks ago, I was having a conversation with a colleague at work and she suggested, she uh, <laughs> suggested that, you know, why don't you just talk to your friends in the car? And I was like, oh that's sick. That's really yeah. good. So I put my AirPods in that day on the way home from work. I tried calling like four friends. Uh, no one replied. <laughs> and then I called a fifth. And then I had a, and, and, and then I had a great chat with Sahel. So. <laughs> Sahel, if you're listening to this, <laughs> I'm sorry that you were number five on the list. <laughs> but I was literally just going through like my WhatsApp in reverse chronological order, I think. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and initially I felt really... I felt really weird about this. He was like, "Hey, Ali, what's up?" And I was like, "Oh, you know, just, just, just fancy to catch up." And in, in my head, I had all this like fear of rejection. Like, "Oh my god, I, I bet he's gonna sound busy." And then I have yeah. to act nonchalant. I'd be like, "Oh no, it's it's totally cool." Because you know, that actually would have been cool. Like, I actually wouldn't have minded. Yeah. And he was like, "Okay, cool. Yeah, you know, I've got about forty minutes before I have to go to work. What's been going on?" And we ended up having just like a forty-minute chat and just like catching up how we would 
have in real life. That's awesome. Which was just nice. Um, so yeah, that's really great. I want to do more of that, but I, I, w- I want to build like a, a system in place, like a personal CRM to do this. Yeah, that's cool. And actually, I think, yeah, every now and then I find out that someone who I see as like cool and well-adjusted, mm. <laughs> I find out that they have a system for something. And I think, whoa, are you, are you allowed to do that? I thought you were cool, man. <laughs> And well, so, well, like what? There's a friend of mine who, uh, slightly older friend, um, he basically, after every dinner, he sends you an email with notes about what you guys discussed over dinner. <laughs> and, uh, do you understand what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that way, like, whatever stuff you discuss sticks with everyone better. You have, like, a record of it. You can look back on it, all of this kind of stuff. But, like, yeah, making post-dinner notes and emailing them around to all the attendees. That's, is, that's really weird. It's a system of his. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's bloody weird. <laughs> but that's it's awesome. great. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> How did you find out about the system? I got an email after a dinner. <laughs> and you were like, wait a minute, what is this? <laughs> yeah. And you replied saying like, what the hell is this? No, no, he opened the email with like, this is a weird thing I do. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so you were self-aware about the, 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 the weirdness of it. Yeah, of course he was. Oh. But you, would, you wouldn't guess it. <laughs> you wouldn't guess it from this guy that he does this kind of stuff. <laughs> And so I think there's like, yeah, certainly, yeah, I, I, I think like the the kind of weird aspect of it is like, oh, yeah, we just don't even think of doing things like this. So even if we do think of them, we think, oh, that's that's too weird to have these kinds of systems. Whereas in like a business context, hell yeah, of course someone's going to be making notes during a meeting and circulating the notes via email to all the attendees. Yeah, you know, given, yeah, <laughs> it, it's stupid not to, <laughs> right? Oh, damn, that's a really good point. <laughs> I just start doing this. <laughs> okay, uh, have you have we got any other examples of systems that kind of start off in the, in the business sphere but then translate to the personal sphere? One obvious one is things like to do lists and calendars, which are obviously initially in the business sphere. Oh my god, calendars! Yes, yeah. <laughs> calendars are so good. Calendars <laughs> are completely next level. I think I started keeping a proper calendar from like you know a calendar for my like timetable in first year. Yeah, but then it was only in like fourth year where I was I was seeing my, my friends more sporadically that I realized I was double booking things. Yeah, and then at that time I had friends who would call me out on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas prior to that point, it was just sort of a given that you know if you're an Asian, you would flake on some social event and be like whatevs. Yeah. Uh, but then when it started to get, <laughs> started getting to fourth year, where, where my friends would get annoyed that I was flaking on them, I realized that as soon like the instant a commitment comes in, yep. it goes straight into yep. the calendar. Yep. And literally like. I pay about uh, I, I paid about thirty pounds for this calendar app called Fantastical, mm. just because it had this natural language processing thing, which means I can just write things like um, next Tuesday dinner with Sahil at seven p.m. at Covent Garden, yeah. and it would just automatically populate, and I don't have to think about it. Yep, yep. Whereas before, I would have had to go on my Google Calendar and kind of drag and drop the you know, the, the timings of the events and, yeah. and all that stuff. And that's completely changed the game because now anytime Mimi says, hey, are you free on the 26th? I'm like, let me yeah. check my calendar. Yeah, yeah. I love my calendar. <laughs> and if there's nothing in it, I know I'm free. Yeah. And that's an incredible system. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I feel exactly the same way about calendars. My calendar runs my life now. Uh, I, I think a lot of my friends are also big fans of calendars because like at work and stuff, I, I don't know about medicine, but if you work in any kind of company, everything is done via like calendar invitations and things like that. Yeah, it's not really a thing in medicine, but yeah. I appreciate it in so, every other field. Yeah, precisely. And so like a lot of my friends who like work in London as well, everyone really appreciates it when you send over like a calendar invite to all the attendees for like dinner with the lads, <laughs> you know, <laughs> nice. 7 to 10 p.m. or whatever. And yeah. it's like, yeah, everyone loves it. And previously I might have considered that to be like a weird thing to do. Like, I don't know. Yeah, so... Uh, m- 
one of my uh, YouTube friends and colleagues, Thomas Frank, uh, has this like online productivity masterclass in which one of the sort of 15 minute long lessons is how to use a calendar. And initially when I saw that, I was like, wait a minute, you know, isn't that like really basic? But then I realized that actually it's not a, like I only discovered this way at the age of like 22, already four years into university, like the importance of having a calendar. Yeah. So it is definitely something that needs to be propagated more. I suppose kind of next level calendar system is the people who block out times on their calendar to do certain tasks. Yes. So for example, if I know that if, you know, people who know they have to write an article would block out 6 to 10 p.m. on a Wednesday evening to write that article and would kind of run their life on it. Yep. Um, which is kind of similar to your pilot and plane analogy. Uh, mm. Do you want to remind the viewers if they haven't read your blog posts <laughs> what, 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 what the idea behind that is? Because I think that's quite a good system. Yeah, I think the theory basically is that there are a few points in the day when we have genuine clarity about our lives and we should spend those fleeting moments planning out how we want to spend the rest of our time and so back when i had a real job and would commute on the train every day my my time on the train would be spent like planning out like the rest of my day and the rest of my week and like what i want to be doing and things like that um and so i'd like plan okay this evening i'm going to be like doing this or whatever and so on uh whereas if uh whereas yeah most of the time if you yeah, you just get back from work or something, you're really tired, you're like really prone to giving in to your, your sort of base instincts. Like you're not, you're basically uh, intoxicated. There, there's like a few a few points uh, during the day when you're not intoxicated, you should spend that time planning out how to spend the rest of your time. And the rest of your time, you should just be executing on that plan rather than making decisions about how to spend your time. So where does the pilot and the plane come into this? Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess you should uh, see yourself as a pilot, uh, some of the time and a plane most of the time the pilot like sets the direction and the bearings and stuff and then most of the time you're just the plane you're just like flying along that bearing yeah I think that's pretty good um, and so that's sort of what we're talking about with this whole calendar calendar time time block I, I think it's actually called time blocking yeah um, apparently Elon Musk uses it or something I, I, basically I everyone uses yeah. it everyone in yeah so the other systems that relate to this are things like to-do lists now the problem with to-do lists is that everyone has tried to use a to-do list at some point in their lives. But what most of us fail to do with to-do lists is that we don't trust the system enough. Like we don't put every single thing we have to do in our to-do list. We put some percentage of things we have to do in our to-do list. Yeah. And the rest, for some reason, we still store in our heads. And one of the key insights of David Allen's book, Getting Things Done, which is like the world's Bible and productivity, is that, look, man, when you've got a to-do list, you just literally put every single thing that's on your mind in that list so that you completely offload your own brain from that storage of information and so you can completely rely on the system. And he refers to it as a system. And since I started doing this, I feel like I, 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 it, it, it feels like almost like a physical load off of my shoulders when I, know, you know, I go to bed at night you know, at peace because I know that there is nothing in my head that's left over from things I need to do. Yeah. And if there ever is, like at any point in the day, you know, I've got the Todoist app on my Apple Watch, I will literally tap on it, use the, the dictation to, you know, transcribe a thing and add, just add it to my to-do list. That's awesome, yeah. And I suppose kind of the next level of that system is actually checking the to-do list every day and getting stuff out of the inbox into different projects. Yeah. That is the level that I'm still trying to get to. But the first step is always just to capture absolutely everything in our lives, put it into the list. Yeah. I think the interesting question is like, why is it considered weird to have systems for things? Am, am I right in saying it, it? it's like considered weird? I think it depends what, what the things, uh, as in like, no one's going to think it's weird to put, you know, buy birthday present on a to-do list. That's not weird at all. But it, I think I a to-do list is a socially acceptable system to have in your life, like a grocery list or something, right? Yeah. Like that's, that, that is socially acceptable, whereas stuff like a personal CRM. Yeah, so I think all the socially unacceptable ones are the ones in where, the, that, uh, where society feels like you're overthinking social interaction. Ah. Because society has told us that so, so that social interaction is only sincere if it's 
if it's spontaneous. Is that the only category of weird systems in life? One one system that I thought was, uh, the, that my initial reaction to was, this is a bit weird, is, um, you know, our productivity guru, Tiago Forte. Oh. He's a guy, uh, fortelabs.com, I think, or .co. We'll put a link in the show notes. He's got a good blog about productivity and stuff. But he's got this interesting collection of blog posts, which are that every year he does like an annual review thing. Mm. And an annual review is, is nothing new if you're into like tech and stuff because everyone sort of does it. But on his, he, A, he makes it public and B, he talks about like really personal things. Like he, he had this one section where he's, he's like, where I want my life to be in 25, year, 25 years from now and kind of wrote out a script of what his ideal day would look like. And, and it was saying stuff like, you know, actually I'm going to read it. Have you got your phone? Because I was recording this. Yep. <coughs> Face ID worked for me on your phone. No. Oh my God. No, it was, it was already unlocked. No, Face ID literally worked for me on your phone. <laughs> there is a very small chance that's, that that's true. Anyway. Um, okay, so he's got this thing called the personal narrative vision, which is like an annual thing that he does where he narrates what his ideal life would look like. So here's an example of his personal narrative vision 2017. I wake up in a clean, beautiful, yet minimally furnished apartment in a vibrant neighborhood in Mexico City. Lauren and I are married, working on a mix of projects that profoundly impact communities in the world and fill us with excitement and passion. We eat a light, healthy breakfast in a light-filled kitchen, setting our intentions for the day and coordinating our plans. We both meditate and exercise every day, maintaining balance and mindfulness every moment. Our days are full of conversations, relationships, and communities. We do all our work in collaboration with each other and with others. Our family and friends are deeply connected and integrated into our lives, and we continue and we contribute to them in every way we know how or even some we don't. I go to work in a local co-working space where everyone... Uh, where I know everyone and I'm known as a leader and connector of people. I work hard, but without suffering. Each day has a strong unifying intention, either free of appointments so I can focus on producing something or open and spontaneous to make myself available to people who need me. I remain faithful to the, to the day's intention while also remaining adaptive to, to whatever life throws my way. So that's just an example of his personal narrative vision. Okay. But when I read that, I was like, oh, this feels somewhat weird because it feels very personal. And it feels like I was almost voyeuristically intruding on his personal life that you chose to share online yeah. and which i've now read out to this podcast <laughs> um but that's like an incredible system like having this annual yeah. review where you're asking yourself a series of like genuinely important questions so for example other questions on that he's got on his list he recommends that you ask yourself what are your top three wins for the year what are the biggest lessons you've learned what were the risks you took what, what was your most loving service what is your unfinished business from the year what are you happy about completing and like a long list of like 25 different things yeah yeah which to me initially seemed like a weird system, but it's just it's yeah. so useful. Yeah, yeah. And I think having this kind of review system, even I, I've been thinking that I need to implement like a more granular one where like every week I'll sit down on a Sunday evening and reflect on like, okay, what went well this week? What are my actions for next week? You know, this kind of stuff. Basically doing like a sprint retrospective on my own life. So, so the, the, this is David Allen's thing of a weekly review. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, which yeah. is literally exactly that. That yeah. every, every single week you kind of, initially empty all your inboxes, empty yeah. your, your, your physical in-tray, empty your trash, put everything into the right project, then decide and reflect on all the... Exactly yeah, and, I, and look, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm like oversensitive to this or something, but I really feel like, for example, if someone had this system and it somehow got out to their friends and family that they had this system, this would be a funny thing that, look, no, one, no one's like going to seriously it's just teasing or whatever but this would be a thing like hey get this get what this guy does every week he yeah. sits down you know and reflect on his life priorities <laughs> my god what a nerd uh, that was similar to to the reaction i had when i first started you know trying to count calories right. work was like what the hell are you doing man you know just enjoy life uh. yeah what's so i think that is something which is outside of the realm of social interaction but where having a system is still considered weird mm. 
Or is it not actually considered that weird? Is that is that in my head? I think I think the weekly review thing is in your head. Like especially because people would consider you a productive person. I don't know anyone I actually don't know many people who would consider me a productive person. Oh well, whatever. Um I think other systems that would be considered weird where are when thing things that we think should be spontaneous become systematized. For example, tracking your calories. Most people would say is probably a bit weird, at least initially. Hmm. But if the it's it's considered less weird if you're trying to train for something in particular. Yeah. If you're competing in a weightlifting marathon or whatever <laughs> whatever those things are called. <laughs> <laughs> then, <laughs> then people won't find it weird at all that you're tracking your macros. Whereas just in general day-to-day life, it probably would be a thing. And kind of when you're tracking your calories, you kind of have to give an excuse. That, oh, I'm on a diet. Or I'm trying to lose weight. Sorry, guys. You know, <laughs> don't yeah. mind if I take a photo of all these barcodes. Is it that like quantification of things is generally considered weird in personal stuff, but quantification is like very important in almost everything when it comes to business? Yeah, perhaps it's the quantification thing. Let's go with that. Does it like, no. uh, yeah, I think maybe like trying to quantify something removes some of the magic and the romance <laughs> of it all. And I think maybe that's what doesn't feel right when it comes to having systems for personal stuff. Is that it? I think it's, it's a possibility. There's this whole field of business called systems thinking. Like, have you come across that that phrase? I've come across the phrase many times, but it's one of those things that I haven't looked into, but I feel like I've come across it enough times to have inferred what it referred, like the general <laughs> ideas of it. And I'm pretty sure that the general ideas of it are what we've just talked about. I think they might be. Yeah. That, that, I've, yeah. I've also never really looked into it. I just saw that Tiago had tagged his post as systems thinking. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, I've, I've seen that many times before. Yeah, systems thinking is one of those like kind of buzzwords that, everyone in tech and i'm sure other places was like oh man it's all, it's all about first principles thinking it's all about systems thinking you know everyone's kind of touting this uh this phrase i haven't looked into it it might be what we're talking about but again it's a business thing okay so going back to, our, to, to your initial uh, novel and profound insight was th- that we should treat our personal lives more like a business yeah that was in terms of tracking our time tracking the value of our time um and f- figuring out what the return on investment is of the various things that we're doing yeah as well as thinking <laughs> systems thinking in our personal lives yep and then the uh, the other the flip side of that was well, i guess we'll spend less time on because this isn't really a business podcast was treating treating a business more like a your personal life yeah what so like more focused on relationships or uh yeah for me that's that's sort of a big part of it for me i i kind of use yeah i think a lot of value from like a lot of business value comes from having friends and it's worth making friends along the way, even if there's no obvious way in which these people are going to help your business. Uh, I, I, that's just how I feel about it. Okay. Yeah. And I suppose that's how we do treat our personal lives. Yeah. Whereas in business, we are, I, I guess we can be too focused on the metrics, on the return on investment that, oh, there's no point having this meeting with this person because... Blah, yeah. Blah, blah. And, you know, a lot of the time that's the right thing to do, but some of the time, you know, I think... So one one area in, in, in which I found these two to sort of coalesce in a way is this standing offer that I have on my website that if anyone comes to visit visit Cambridge, I will buy them a coffee, no questions asked. Um, and so about once a week, I meet up with a random person who wants to hang out with me. Mm. And some of these have been genuinely, like, uh, have, have moved the needle in terms of my own personal and business metrics. And others of them have just been fairly just chill conversations. Yeah. And so I sometimes think like, you know, I've, I've got like four messages that I need to reply to that I've left on unread for all wanting to meet up at some point next week. And I don't really have a system for this, but I know that, but, but I, 
I want to meet up with these people just because it's always nice. Yeah. And because you never know what good things might come of the serendipitous interactions with others. Yeah. Um, but given that a lot of these interactions are probably ROI negative, i.e. The, the return, you know, if I were to spend that hour or two hours making a video instead, yeah. it would probably have far greater value just in the, in the short term. Yeah. And yet I, you know, want to hang out anyway because it's sort of like treating my business, i.e. the YouTube thing as part of my personal life. In a yeah. Way. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, to be honest, I haven't really fleshed out that side of this idea. I mean, I haven't fleshed out either side of this idea. I proposed it to you a few hours ago uh, when we were in Bath, and now we're talking about it on the podcast. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just something I've been mulling over. But yeah, I, I'm particularly interested in like why it's weird to have systems because I do think people, I, I do think it's considered weird. Okay, so your task for this week is to poll your friends on whether it's weird to have systems. This is going to be like your next <laughs> the uh, the Neil Strauss opener. <laughs> So instead of uh, who lies more, men or women, which is like a classic kind of pickup artist line from 2002, it can be like, hey, <laughs> let me get your opinion on something. <laughs> is it weird if someone keeps a list of all their friends and whether they keep in touch with them? Yeah, that, that, that would that, actually make really I'd be very interested to get people's opinions on that. Yeah. Uh, of course, if you're listening uh, and you have an opinion on that, do send it to us via Twitter or via email. Have we got a Twitter account? We don't have a, not, we don't have a podcast Twitter account. Oh, okay. But... We've got personal Twitters and you check Twitter more than I do. Yeah. Yeah, I check I check Twitter a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Many times. <laughs> I do not need a system to make sure I check Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, genuinely, if you have anything to, to, to share on the topic, please do email us in. Actually, um, one of the emails that we had this week was actually an audio clip. Like someone recorded a voice note, a voice memo, whatever, on their phone and emailed us the MP3 file. Yeah. And that was A, really fun, fun and interesting to listen to because you can hear their voice. And B, it means that if we do discuss it, we can easily play on the podcast. Yeah. So if you're up for it, then please do actually send us a voice memo voice recording of yourself just sharing your thoughts on anything that we've discussed and it would be a lot easier than to share those on a podcast plus it would add a bit more interest other than just us reading out an email yeah yeah and what we caught up on a bunch of emails or rather i caught up on a bunch of emails in the car on the way home today while i was driving fine all right (laughs) i guess it was a joint effort um so yeah thanks thanks to everyone who emailed in uh please continue to do that we we really really like it cool i think that that's a wrap for today's discussion so I feel like we still haven't fully fleshed out this idea, but, you know, it is very provisional. Basically, treat, you know, if we're, we're going to give some advice, it's to treat personal lives more like businesses, i.e. track your time, track the value of your time, figure out whether the return on investment of your time and money is positive based on your own personal outcome measures. That's another thing businesses do. They have like a mission statement and they have like goals and like... Yeah, and metrics things, and metrics, yeah, yeah, stuff that they're trying to track. Um, have you got any insights of the week, table? What happens? Have I got any insights this week? Let me check Twitter and find out. Meanwhile, I'm checking my ideas list on Notion for the various things I wrote this week. So what I'm going to write about in this week's email newsletter um, is sort of an insight that I've begun to have these last few weeks to months, which I think I've, I've talked about before on this podcast. It's about how the podcast that we listen to really affect the way we think. And what made me think about this was that there was an episode of the My First Million podcast where the host was interviewing um, someone who was like an early Bitcoin investor. And they were just like talking about something completely unrelated. They were talking about this, just like the the general um, the, people having a self-belief that they'll be able to figure stuff out. Hmm. So, for example, the host of this podcast, he when he was like in his 20s or whatever, he just moved to Silicon Valley because he knew that that was where all the tech stuff was happening. Yeah. And... He didn't really have a plan. He just knew he'd be able to figure it out. And he felt that amongst his friends who were 
quote, successful or who had done, quote, interesting things in tech and whatever other sphere, they all had this shared trait that they had this just this unshakable self-belief that whatever happened, they'd be able to figure something out. Yeah. Whereas a lot of his other friends who were more like, oh, I want to get started, but I haven't started anything yet and probably never would, didn't really have that internal belief. Okay. And that wasn't the insight. Where the, the insight was what uh, kind of after they had a discussion about this, what he said immediately after. And he said, all right, guys, so I guess the lesson is if you have that quality, then, you know, maintain it because it's it's going to be a complete superpower. And if you don't have that quality, then focus on uh, then then focus on developing it. And And that was that. But it was just the the casual and nonchalant and obvious way in which he said focus on developing it. I don't think he quite realized that actually this this whole that's such a growth mindset way of thinking, mm. and a lot of people wouldn't think that w- would just think oh you know that's just not the person I am. Yeah. I, that's not the sort of thing I can just develop. But it was just so obvious to him and to the guest and to he thought to the audience listening to that podcast it, it, it's just obvious. Yeah. And so what I found is that on the like along the various podcasts that I've listening been listening to on double speed for years it's in a way completely changed my whole perspective on life because now it is not weird at all to start a business, start a YouTube channel or, you know, write a book or any, yeah. anything that seems outside of the ordinary based on the people I hang out with normally. Yeah. It just seems so obvious because you're just hearing from all these conversations that yeah. people who consider it obvious. Yeah. So that was along the lines of something I want to write about today in this email newsletter that I have to do in the next three right. hours. That's really similar to the thing we were talking about, about sort of expanding your box and stuff and sort of immersing yourself in a field uh, until the stuff in that field becomes really obvious and very like normal. Um, yeah, yeah exactly. that kind of stuff. Yeah, expand the box. I think that might be the title of the newsletter. Well done. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> um, cool. I think uh, I think that wraps it up for today. This might be the last in-person podcast recording we have for quite a few weeks. Uh, I'm going to Hawaii and then Japan from Friday. It's currently Sunday. So the next four or five podcasts may well be recorded remotely, uh, which will be interesting. I think, I think it'll mean we get better at like doing the remote recording thing. Wait, so you're saying I could fly to Hawaii as a business expense to record the podcast? Yeah, man. I mean, I we're, not, <laughs> we're not making any money from the podcast. <laughs> One day, if we get sponsored by Audible or Squarespace. <laughs> it's your business, mate. <laughs> Work out the ROI and, <laughs> and figure it out from there. Yeah, so we'll figure out a way to do, to do this remotely. I wonder if people will actually notice. I wonder if people have known the podcast that we've recorded remotely versus the ones we haven't. But Yeah, that might be interesting. That be interesting. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening. Please do leave us a review on iTunes, whether or not you have iTunes or you use Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.